Well, if you have a Bible, turn with me, if you will, please, to the book of James. James chapter 5 is where we're going to be today. We're going to look at the first six verses of Scripture here in chapter 5 as the, uh, James turns his attention now to deal again with the issue of rich and oppressing of people. Um, and so we want to look today, verse number 1 through 6, and see what the Bible has to say here for us. So read along with me as I read. And then we'll jump into what the text says. The Bible says this, Come now, you rich, weep and howl, for your miseries are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You've heaped up treasures in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the labors who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You've lived on the earth in pleasure and in luxury. You've fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Let's pray together and ask God's guidance through the text here today. Father, we just pause together for a moment and ask God that you would help us to understand your word. Help us to understand specifically how it is that we ought to think about wealth, how it is that we ought to think about money, and even, Father, I would say how it is that we ought to think about wealthy people. Father, there will be temptations and tendencies to get it wrong going in one direction or the other. And I pray that, God, this day you'd help us to navigate between those things and help us, Father, as a result of our time in the Word together today to be more aware of the temptation of the idol of money and wealth and help us, Father, to have an appropriate response to it. Lord, we love you, we bless you, and we ask you to be with us now in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, here's the question for us today to consider. How should we think about money and wealth? Or maybe I should be a little more specific than that, because the text is a little more specific than that. How should we think about wealthy people or rich people? Is wealth a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Are wealthy people good people or are they bad people? There will be opinions all over the place as you survey our culture. Like any other good thing that God would give us, like power, like sex, like food, like entertainment, all of those things have their place and can be good. But all of those things can be corrupted and used in such a way that they become an idol in our lives. The temptation with the passage of Scripture today is to go in one of two faulty directions with it. And I want to try to navigate between these two today. Number one, it could be to see this passage of Scripture as an attack people on rich people per se. That is to say, maybe James just takes exception with anybody having wealth of any kind at all. I want to suggest to us that's not really what he's doing at all. We have some descriptions in here that give us some clues that that's not what he's taking exception with. The second fault that we could take, and second approach to taking this text that we want to avoid, is to not only not attack the people that are wealthy, but it would be also faulty to, to fail to see the recurring warnings throughout Scripture, especially here, with greed 
and the love of money. So on the one hand, we don't want to see it as an attack on rich people. On the other hand, we don't want to fail to see the warnings throughout Scripture with greed and the love of money. So we want to get between those two mistakes and get right on exactly what James is dealing with here. So I'm going to do this today. I'm going to break it up into two general parts. First of all, I want to talk about the kind of person that God is bringing judgment upon in this passage. There's very clear warnings in this passage of Scripture and very clear pronouncements of judgment that's coming. And I want to talk for just a few moments about the kind of person that James has in mind here that's ultimately going to be judged. And then second thing I want to do is I want to talk about the kind of judgment that God is actually bringing. So the kind of person that he's judging and the kind of judgment that he's going to bring. So let's talk about the kind of person that God judges here, or that James is talking about God judging in James chapter 5, verse 1 through 6. First of all, he talks about a people that hoarded wealth and that were self-indulgent. In verse number 3, and then again in verse number 5, it becomes very clear that the kind of person that James is referencing here are those people that hoard wealth and are self-indulgent. Look at verse number three, the second part of verse number three. He says, you've heaped up treasures in the last days. In other words, what they're doing is they're living their life just accumulating more and more and more. Is he taking exceptions with having a savings account? Of course not. We're told throughout Scripture that those are good things to do. Yet what he's focused on here are that are people that are saving in overabundance, people that are hoarding and keeping for themselves well past anything they or their people will ever, ever need, and failing to take account for people around them that could have need. So in verse number 3b, they're hoarding, they're storing up, heaping up treasures as in the last days. Verse number 5. You've lived on earth in pleasure and in luxury. You've fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. So in other words, what he's talking about here are people that just have an obsession with luxury. They live for luxury and they live for pleasure. They're constantly fattening themselves, if you will, as if they're about to be slaughtered. So the imagery here is of a, of a, of a pig or a, a lamb or of a cow that one would fatten up and make better and better and better. So the point here that he seems to be getting at here is that these are a kind of people that hoard wealth and are obsessed with self-indulgent. Now, we have plenty of warnings about this throughout the Scriptures, even in the Gospels. In the Gospel of Mark, for example, Mark chapter 10, verse number 17 through 22, we're told the story of the young rich ruler. And you remember this story. He comes to Jesus and asks this question, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus plays along with him. He says, well, you remember the commandments, you know, honor your father and your mother, uh, don't commit adultery, things like that. The young rich ruler looks at Jesus and says, you know what? I've done all of those things. And Jesus looks at him and says, one thing you lack, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor, and then you will have peace with God. And the Bible says that the young rich ruler went away and he was sorrowful for he was a man of great possessions. Now, is Jesus saying that to be his follower, you have to give away all your earthly possessions and take the vow of poverty? No, it really doesn't seem like that. If that's what Jesus is saying, we'd have conflict with a lot of places in Scripture that seem to suggest the opposite. So then why does Jesus give the young rich ruler this command? In short, what Jesus is putting his finger on is the young rich ruler's God. 
the thing that the young rich ruler loved and obsessed over more than anything else. In short, what Jesus was saying is, you want to come follow me? Get rid of your God. And in the case of the young rich ruler, his God was his money and his wealth. He hoarded for himself. He obsessed over luxury. And you know what? I'll be a follower of Jesus as long as I can hang on to those things. Jesus says, no, 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 no. If you're going to follow after me, I'm first. You get rid of your God, you come and you follow after me. In Luke chapter 16, we're told the story of the, the wealthy landowner. And you remember here that he was clothed in purple and fine linen, and he fared suppulently in life. He had so much for himself. And then there was this beggar Lazarus at the gate, and he desired to be fed by the crumbs of the table. Well, the Bible says that both of these men died, and the, the wealthy landowner goes into judgment, and Lazarus goes into the bosom of Abraham, and he cries out the, the wealthy aunt landowner asking God for mercy. What was the problem with this man? The problem was there again. He loved the pleasures of this earth and made it his idol and his God. You see, the problem with self-indulgence and the problem of hoarding is that it suggests that underneath everything, there's an obsession, there's a love, there's a devotion, there's an idol in money. And what James is taking exception with here seems to be the hoarding and self-indulgence, which is suggestive of idolatry. The Bible says this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 6 through 10. Listen to this. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we will carry nothing out. I love that. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into the temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Again, what we don't want to do is take this passage or any of these passages as taking an exception with wealth per se or wealthy people per se. But at the same time, listen to me, we don't want to fail to catch the warnings throughout the Gospels and throughout the Old Testament of the warnings against greed and self-indulgence and hoarding, because at the end of the day, what that suggests to us is that there is an idol in our lives. And it is this love of that money that is the root of all sorts of evil. By it, many people have been pulled aside. Jesus would say this, it is easier for uh, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. Why? Because often it is the case. Remember, as I said at the beginning, man, the good things that God has given us, money and power and sex and food and entertainment, the good things that God has given us, the enemy often twists and perverts and corrupts and uses in our lives in such a way to ensnare us. And James warns us against that here. The second kind of person, and these are all really the same person, but these are all different characteristics of this person. First of all, they hoard wealth and they're self-indulgent. But second of all, in verse number four, they are so obsessed with their money that they're willing to do wrong by other people. They defraud their workers. Verse number four, the first part of it. Listen to what it says here. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, they cry out against you. So what was it that they had done? 
They had done wrongly by other people. They had taken advantage of people. They had manipulated people. They would taken advantage of people. They had defrauded people. They had hurt people. They used people for personal gain. Also, they could have more, more, more. They were willing to take, take, take from anybody else. You know what the Bible says? Those wages which they kept back and didn't give to their employees, they're crying out against them. There's two times in the passage that that James tells us that that money or that fortune is going to cry out against us. We're told here it cries out against us in verse 4. We're also told that it's going to come as a testimony against us in that day. The Bible, once again, throughout the Old and New Testament, is very clear that doing injustice to other people for personal gain is wicked in the sight of God. Leviticus chapter 19, verse number 13. Listen to what it says. You shall not cheat your neighbor, nor rob him. The wages of him who is hired shall not remain with you all night until the morning. So in other words, what Leviticus is saying is that, man, when somebody serves you in some way, you have a responsibility to pay them back. So much so that you're not even allowed to hang on to it through the night, he says. In other words, you make sure that you're doing right by them and paying them back. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse number 14 through 15, goes on to say this. And you shall not oppress a hired servant who is poor and needy, whether one of your brethren or one of the aliens who is in your land within your gates. So in other words, you don't mistreat people whether they're a believer or a non-believer. Each day you shall give him his wages and not let the sun go down on it, for he is poor and he has set his heart on it, lest he cry out against you to the Lord and it be sin to you. So in other words, again, all throughout the Bible, we're warned of this defrauding and doing injustice to people for personal gain. The problem with these rich people that James is taking exception with is not just merely that they have wealth. Look, we have plenty of people in the Bible that had great wealth that honored God with it, and God was pleased with them. But what James takes exception with are those wealthy people that obsess over wealth to the point that they hoard it, they're self-indulgent, it becomes their God, even so much now that they will defraud other people from it. They will do injustice. Verse number six, the third thing I want you to see about these people. First of all, they hoard wealth and are self-indulgent. Second of all, they defraud their workers. But thirdly and finally, they even go so far as to oppress the righteous, to do harm to righteous people. Verse number six, you have condemned You have murdered the just. He does not resist you. What's James talking about here? A lot of scholars believe that James has a single person in mind. In other words, he has a specific example in mind as he mentions this. There's someone specific that the wealthy have condemned and even murdered. And scholars will often point that maybe James has in mind here Jesus Christ himself that James is alluding to the fact that the Romans and the Jews, that ultimately they had Christ crucified for personal gain. Or maybe some scholars have suggested that James has himself in mind here, prophetically, so to speak, knowing that he ultimately will die and perish. James points to the fact that he is going to be condemned and he is going to be murdered. Well, I would suggest to you, it doesn't really matter which one it is. The, The problem is this that the wealthy people that God is going to condemn here are those people that hoard for themselves and self-indulgent. They defraud other people and they're even willing to oppress the righteous as a result. Once again, throughout the Bible, this is condemned. Amos chapter 2, verse number 6. Listen to this. Thus says the Lord, 
For there are three transgressions of Israel, and for four I will not turn away its punishment, because they sell the righteous for silver and the poor for a pair of sandals. In other words, they're abusing and mistreating and condemning the poor for their personal gain. There are lots of other passages, especially in the minor prophets that speak to this. For example, Amos, a little bit later in chapter 5, verse 12. The book of Micah, three places. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Chapter 6, verses 9 through 16. In the book of Psalms, chapter 10, verse number 8 through 9. In the book of Psalms, chapter 37, verse 32. And then remember, we saw earlier in the book of James, James chapter 2, verse number 5 through verse number 7. What am I saying to you? Overwhelmingly throughout the Bible, God condemns the wealthy who behave this way. Who are self-indulgent, who hoard for themselves, who will defraud and will even condemn and abuse and murder the righteous for their own personal gain. That's the kind of person that James is warning here. Remember, we want to avoid two extremes as we go through this passage. On the one hand, we don't want to read this passage as just an attack on wealthy people, because it's really not. At the same time, we don't want to fail to appreciate and understand the warnings all throughout the Bible against greed and self-indulgence. So James, first of all, speaks to the kind of person that God is going to bring judgment upon. But now the second big thing I want to do in the text today, or show you in the text, is the kind of judgment that God is going to bring. The kind of judgment that God is going to bring. Let me mention two things here. Number one, the Bible says in verse number one through three that God turns fortune into sorrow and calamity. God is going to turn fortune into sorrow and calamity. Look at verse number 1. It's similar to what we saw in in chapter 4, verse number 13. Scholars often point to the same pattern now. Come now, you who, in this case, it's come now, you rich people. There's a calling now. You you come and you listen to me, he says. And now he instructs, instructs them. He says, weep, howl. Whoa, that's a strong version of mourning right there. You weep, howl, for your miseries are coming upon you. Now watch what he says in verse number two. And again, the point is God takes the fortune, what is fortune in this life, and he turns it into sorrow and calamity. Watch this. Your riches are corrupted. Your garments, they're moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver, they're corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you. What is James saying? James is saying to those wealthy people that were self-indulgent, who defrauded others, who even persecuted the righteous, God is is saying to them, there is coming a day when all of the things in this life that you've counted on, that you've looked to, that you've put your heart and soul into, thinking that somehow those things are life and that those things can satisfy you. There is coming a day when that fortune will actually become your very sorrow. It will become your calamity. All the things that you have, it's going to corrupt. Your riches, they'll be corrupted. Your gold and your silver, your your garments, they're going to be moth-eaten. And your gold and your silver, they're going to be corroded. There comes a day when, as we just saw a minute ago from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 7 through 19, we brought nothing into this world and we, it is certain, can take nothing out of it. Those who desire to be rich fall into the temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which draw men into destruction and perdition. 
The very things that were fortune to us here become sorrow and calamity for us there. The story is told that on the Titanic, the night that it sank, and in the days leading up to it, the wealthy people on that boat, they got on that boat and they would discount the petty things of life, food and other types of things. They might see some oranges and think nothing of those oranges and those fruits and give them no value whatsoever. But what they did value was their gold and their diamonds and their rubies and their sapphires. They esteemed these things and they valued those jewels, but they gave no value whatsoever to fruit. The story is told that in the hours after it struck the iceberg and it became clear to the, to the, the people on the boat that the boat was about to sink, that it was the case that whereas before they valued the diamonds and they discounted the oranges, they went in those last hours before they got off that boat and they pushed the diamonds aside and they would grab the oranges and the bananas and the fruits because they recognized in those moments that those diamonds cannot sustain them, but ultimately the oranges and the bananas and the fruits really could. You know, it's amazing how tragedy and catastrophe have a way of altering what's valuable to us, doesn't it? Well, there is a catastrophe coming for those who have hoarded for themselves, those who have defrauded people, those who have persecuted the righteous for wealth. There is a calamity coming upon them. And in that day, their gold and their silver, their fancy clothes, they will do nothing for them. In fact, it will be sorrow for them. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 19 through 21, Jesus says this, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, the thing that you really give yourself to again and again and again, that's what you really love. That's where your heart actually is. And if the thing that we seek after more than anything are gold and silver and wealth of this life, then we really are, like James described, hoarders and self-indulgent and perhaps tempted to play with what's right and wrong so that we can gain. There's a warning about that. Again, this passage is not attacking rich people per se, but don't be mistaken. There is a warning here against greed and the love of money. And where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Jesus instructs us to do this, to lay up for ourselves treasure somewhere else. Not down here, but somewhere else. And so the kind of judgment that God's going to bring is that He will turn what is fortune into sorrow and calamity. The second thing I want to say about the kind of sorrow or the kind of judgment that God will bring, verse number three is very interesting. God will bring our fortune against us in judgment. God will bring our fortune against us in judgment. What do I mean by that? Notice what he says in verse number three. Your gold and your silver are corroded and their corrosion, watch this, will be a witness against you in that day. We're told twice in this passage, once in verse number three and once in verse number four, that the wealth cries out against us. It comes as a testimony against us in that day if indeed we've lived that way, if we've gone about wealth that way. Ezekiel chapter 7, verse number 19. They will throw their silver into the streets. Their gold will be like refuse. Wow. Their silver and their gold will not be able to deliver them in the day of wrath of the Lord. They will not satisfy their souls nor fill their stomachs because because it became their stumbling block of iniquity. 
hey, listen, the last thing in the world you want to do is die and stand before God and have all the works of our hand, all the things that we've given ourselves to come now against us as a testimony of what we most loved. Don't let it be the case that when it's all said and done, that what's obvious about our life is that we loved money and we loved wealth and we loved luxury. If that's the case, then my friend, I would say to you, that's the warning of this passage. On the one hand, it's not condemning wealth per se or wealthy people per se, but it is warning against greed and self-indulgence and the love of money. In short, James is warning us, don't let money be your God. Don't let it be the thing that drives you and consumes you. I'll close the same way I began. Just like any other good thing that God gives us, this can become our idol. This can become the thing that we most love. And my prayer for all of us this day is that in this moment that we're in, this season that we're in, when yes, even now for all of us, finances are getting tight, that it would be a time of recalibration for us. That we would be a people that really do inventory of the motives of our soul, the motives of our heart and of our mind. And that if we're approaching things in a way that's displeasing to God, that we would repent of that. And that we would make God our treasure and we would pursue Him above everything else. In just a moment, I'm going to ask us to pray together. As we close here today, we've, we've done a lot of things today. We've read from the Psalms about dwelling with God. It's interesting. You may wonder, what does that Psalm, Psalm 84, have to do with this? You know, James is warning us against money being our God, the thing that we most love. And Psalm 84 is telling us what we should make our God and the thing that we should seek after and indulge in more than anything. And that is the presence of God. May we be a people that seek not the passing pleasures of this world, and the idols of this world, but may we be a people like Psalm 84 that turn our hearts and our minds to Him and that we pursue Him and that we seek Him knowing, fully understanding that His presence with us is more satisfying than anything else. And so as we close today, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you have a prayer request for the people of God that you wouldn't mind sharing in the feed that you're watching right now, would you just drop that prayer request in there? People will pray for you. This is a way that we can stay connected. We can keep praying for each other. If there's something else on your heart or mind that you just need more confidentiality on, you can text the number on the screen and we will respond to you and we will reach out to you and talk with you, counsel you, and make sure that you get the care that you need. Or maybe it's just between you and God today. There's something on your heart or mind that you need to repent of, you need to take before Him. I'm just going to ask you to be faithful to Him. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I urge you to turn your heart and your mind to Him. Cry out to Him now for Him to save your soul, for Him to give you life. And the Bible assures us that He will do that. So you respond today either in the chat or with the text. You be obedient to what God is calling you to do today. And may we as a people be faithful to Him, ridding ourselves of idols of this life and pursuing Christ above everything else. Father, bless us, we pray. As we close our service, help us to be faithful to You. In everything we do, we love You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.